Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us here in Westminster as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. I'm Scott Challoner and today I'm joined by Adam Lakeland. Now Adam is a director at Pro Sport Coaching Limited, a company providing high quality sports provision to schools and nurseries throughout Lancashire, but he is also the current first team manager at Farsley Celtic Football Club as well. Um, Adam, welcome, great to have you on the programme with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. No, absolute pleasure. Um, so if we sort of go straight into uh, things then, I mean, this podcast is very much all about leadership, but what does that word leader mean to you? Um, well, I suppose it's, you know, it's somebody that um, can be relied on, um, somebody who can, you know, make make not just difficult decisions, but, but make the right decisions. Um somebody to give a little bit of, of guidance and, and direction to the people that, that they're working with and, um, you know, and, and ultimately just try and do the absolute most and best that you can for everybody and, and everything that you represent, really. Absolutely. Now, um, I have to confess, I do follow football quite closely, Adam, and it's uh, three promotions, isn't it, that you've won as a coach and um, a manager, um, two with Kurz and Ashton and one with Farsley, am I correct in saying? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, what sort of um, effective leadership goes into especially generating and building a winning team like that? I mean, from a sporting perspective, that must be um, really interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, standards. um, You've got to demand a lot of, first and foremost, yourself. You've got to be able to self-motivate and, you know, deliver the best quality that you can on a, on a regular basis and keep those those consistency levels high um, always strive to do better even at the times when you you're doing what everybody would would feel is the best you can you've, you've got to always strive to improve yourself and and those around you and demand more of yourself and the people that you're working with um, and, and and just you know try and try and maintain those standards but also have have ambition. I think it's it's so important for you to, to have and demonstrate ambition and and um, you know always believe that you can you can you can improve and there's always more to achieve and um, you know just try and be as honest and as and as transparent with everybody as you can. But you know you've you've also got to have the ability to to be firm and to be gritty and and make them difficult decisions. You know as and when they're, they're needed. Absolutely. And as a coach, um, not just, of course, in the context of um, coaching uh, football clubs, but also uh, with pro sport as well, um, it's important f- uh, for a leader to create a culture of positivity as well to really get the best out of those around them. That's also really integral, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, creating the right environment, both, you know, in, in terms of the, the role that I do. In, in management and, and, and also, you know, as the, the director of pro sport coaching, um, you've got to create a, an environment where people want to, to come and be a part of and where people come and, and enjoy the work that they do for you. Because I'm, I'm a big believer that it doesn't matter what you do in life, but if you're enjoying it, then you, you're always going to give the absolute best that you can. And, you know, ultimately that's all that you can, you can ask for of anybody really is uh, whether that's your players or your staff or, you know, the employees, whoever it be, you know, that they, they come in and they, they try and give their all and, and do the very, very best that they can. And, you know, if, if they're working in a, in a, in a positive environment, um, with, with good people around them, then the, 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 
the likelihood is that they'll um, they'll be successful and they'll they'll have positive results. Yeah, definitely. And um, in terms of your own um, leadership and coaching style, Adam, are there any names that sort of stick out as to um, people who've maybe inspired you over the years as well? Um, I mean, there's there's a couple of people, um, you know, that, that they're not they're not famous as such, but I'd say that um, you know probably somebody who made a, an early impact on me as a coach was it was a guy called Andrew McNally that I worked with um, at Blackburn Rovers and. And then moving into Curzon Ashton, working with John Flanagan, who's you know he's he's, he's an older manager and he's, he's pretty much old school, and I learned a lot from him in different different ways. But probably in terms of more um, well established names and, and 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 celebrities, I'd say the likes of you know Ferguson, um, Clough. Um, most recently, the one who probably made the, the greatest impact on me was I'd have to say Mourinho. Um, I just think you know he really made me look at um, kind of where I wanted to go as a, as a coach um, in, in a different way, uh, and I think you know the likes of him and, and, and Arsene Wenger from a football sense coming into to uh, English football. I think they they were the slightly started to change, kind of probably moving away from that manager uh, role to, to more of a head coach role, which is what I would kind of class myself as. You know, I think I'm good. Mm. on the training ground but I'm also good with, with people and with players and I can make the difficult decisions when I need to um, but those you know in particular from a football sense would would certainly be the ones um, you know then look at the likes of you know Winston Churchill I'm interested in the stuff that he, he did for the country and you know there's there's numerous but, but those in terms of the football they'd, be, they'd probably be the ones yeah, there's some really interesting examples there because you mentioned on the one hand uh, John Flanagan, for example, who's a figure that not a lot of people will know as a household name, of course. Um, but also on the other hand, you've picked out the likes of Wenger and Mourinho, who are revered managers but have also faced a lot of criticism in their time. So taking into account those two things, that good managers can often go under the radar and there are some who are exceptional managers who are in line for criticism quite a lot of the time. Do you think that great leadership is as celebrated as much as it should be in this country? Um, I think that you know a lot of leaders, people only actually appreciate what they actually did and, and how they how good they were when they're either not around anymore or when they're not doing the role anymore. Um, you know, I think you're there to be shot at as a leader or a manager because ultimately you, you, your job is to make decisions and. You, you always try and make the right decisions or the ones that you think are the right decisions, whether it be for your business or for you know your, your team or whatever it is that you're in charge of. But ultimately, when you make decisions, the likelihood is that you're not going to please everybody within your club or team or organisation. And, you know, that's just, that is just the nature of, of the job. Um, you know, you, you're going to disappoint people. People are going to question the decisions that you make on a daily basis. But you've got to, you've got to be true to yourself and, and believe that you know the things that you're doing and the decisions that you're making are the right ones. Um, and, and 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 I come back to it to it. You know that I think a lot of you know the great leaders they they're only probably truly appreciated um, when the, you know they either leave the post that they were in or, or they're unfortunately not around anymore. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, touching on uh, more topical matters uh, now, uh, Madam, it's clearly a challenging time, um, not just for businesses all over the UK um, and the world, but also football clubs as well with the impact of this uh, coronavirus outbreak. So how have you found the last few weeks, not just being a business leader, but also being the manager of a non-league football club as well? They've been, they've been very difficult. Um, certainly the last, the last week, although the last couple of days, have been a little bit easier because there's there's been a bit more information passed on now, um, which of course then helps you to make you know make decisions and plan. Um, it's been in limbo with things that makes things difficult because you've got to you've got to then plan for every foreseeable outcome, and and some of those outcomes you know they don't look too pretty on on the other end. Um, but I think you've you've always got to. You know, try and show and demonstrate uh, composure and level-headedness, even if you, you know, you're going crazy inside and and you you're really worried on the inside. You've you've got to always portray calm um, and like you're in control because if I think if you're you're at the top of the tree and you demonstrate that that you're finding it difficult, then um, you know, then then ultimately the people um, that, that that are below you they, they they'll panic and find it find it difficult as well so it, it has been difficult it has been tough um, but you know I set up pro sport coaching in in 2006 and um, there's been bumps in the road along the way like like will be the case in most businesses and um, and certainly on the football side there's bumps in the road every other day um, certainly in non-league football but it's it's how you overcome them and 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 trying to remain positive and you know just trying to do the right things um i'm very very fortunate now that i've got my business partner damien sweeney um who, who, who he merged his company sweeney's multi-sports in, into pro sport coaching limited um in september last year and and that's been a massive help for me personally because sometimes running a business on your own can be can be difficult, um, but having somebody to, to lean on and, and, and back you and um, you know make you know just give you that reassurance that you are doing the right things has, has been really beneficial certainly at the uh, at the current time. Absolutely, because it can quite easily be forgotten that being a leader in any context isn't just a one man or one woman job. It is very much um, a team effort as well. Um, before we do um, wrap things um, up, Adam, um, do give me an idea of what you imagine the next year is going to hold for yourself for pro sports and also Farsley Celtic and what you hope to achieve collectively in that time. Well, in, in terms of pro sports, um you know, prior to uh, the current situation with with the coronavirus, we we were going from strength to strength, and um, there was no evidence to suggest that we wouldn't continue to increase our customer base and and um, you know and turnover and profitability and workforce and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, whilst at the moment it is it is very difficult, and and um, that's kind of you know been that rate of, of growth has, has certainly had the brakes put on it. Um, I envisage that we, we, you know, we're, we're determined to, to use this this uh, this spell now to to ensure that we're stronger when when the schools do return and when we do get back to you know full workload that we are we're a much stronger organisation um, as a consequence of it. You know, time is something that you're always. Uh, short of um, there's always things that you'd like to do to improve 
um, but you you don't always have the luxury of, of time to do it. We want to you know use the time that we have now to ensure that we're we're improving every aspect of our business that can be improved, um, so that we can you know when when things do pass pass away pass by, we're we're in a much stronger position to kick on. Um, in terms of football, you, you can never really predict too far ahead in football because it's uh, one minute you're the best manager um, and the next minute you, you're on a bad run and people are, are looking for a change. So it's it is difficult. Um, I mean, our our objective this season was to was to maintain our national north status, having having got promoted last season, and regardless of whether the season. Uh, finishes now, or, or whether it's concluded at a later date, you know we've we've managed to achieve that goal, which is for for a club the size of Farsley in such a such a, a challenging league, um, that's an excellent achievement for us. Um, as to what will happen next season, it's very difficult for me to say. Uh, other than you know, I I, I love my job. I, I have great support staff around me. Um, got a really honest and and uh, hard-working group of players. Um, but I, you know, as an individual, I, I've got ambition. Um, you know, I, I want to I want to manage full time one day. I want to try and get into the into the football league. Um, and I'm I'm very very determined, you know, to do that. But obviously, only being 35 and and very young in in management terms, I'm I'm in no rush to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And let's hope on the business side of things, we do start seeing that light at the end of the tunnel very soon and we start seeing that upward trajectory. Um, but also um, in football terms, um, let's hope as well that there will be more success for Farsley Celtic because it's three promotions now, two as a coach, one as a manager. And I'm sure with um, that same ethos uh, going all the way through, there'll be more to follow as well. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, Adam, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure having you um, on the uh, the programme today. And I think it would be fantastic as well to perhaps have you back on in a few months to look at this retrospectively and gauge how things have panned out in that respect. So thanks so much for coming on, speaking with the uh, to myself and uh, also um, sharing all of that with the listeners today. It's been fantastic. No, thanks very much for uh, for inviting me. It's been a, been a pleasure and um, I look forward to speaking to you again. Yeah, absolutely. And um, once um, the football kicks back off again, best of luck as well for um, the rest of the season or next season, depending on where we are. Um, we now hand over to uh, Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me, realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex, first team, when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, <laughs> I guess, one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. 
And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, Jeff, uh, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did again mm-hmm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looks upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South 
Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, up naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a, a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time, at, maybe overly strict. But at the time, you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and so I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, if maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? 
Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, 
you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did. Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... It would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really. Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today, uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. 
And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the answer is straightforward. answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good, good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't I... when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks 
um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.